Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Welcome back to the show. We're excited to have Marissa Murray back here joining us. She's the CEO of Leaderly International. Not uh, international, sorry. She's also a leadership expert, executive coach, author, speaker, and so much more. Uh, she's serving clients all over the world, but home bases in Montreal, Canada, and the website Leaderly.com. Welcome back. How are you today? I'm great, Jill. How are you? I'm doing well. I had a great weekend. I hope you did the same. Monday blues, but now nah, I'm feeling happy today. <laughs> oh, good, How are good. you? Good. Really, really good. Excited to talk to you again. Great. Same here. For those new listeners today, let's uh, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. I think you did a great job at the upfront. So I, I have a company <laughs> called Leaderly International, and we do leadership development in a few different forms, including executive coaching and workshops and team building and some online courses as well. And uh, I, I write books about leadership. I have I'm two books published and I'm working on my third. My first book is called Work Smart and it's all about the nine core professional attributes that you need to really be successful in your life. There's like 50 tips over nine areas. So it's a really nice guide for people that want to uh, take a step up with their leadership. My second book is called Iterate, and it's about how to just deal with turbulent times by iterating our way through. There's a nice formula to work with your teams around setting visions and collaborating and aligning and then assembling and accomplishing things together. And my third book is coming out in the fall, and it's called Blind Spots. And so it's all about the things that get in our way. Beautiful. Well, we're excited to have you here. And for our listeners today, um, what did you have in mind for a topic of discussion? And at the same time, we're also going to open the phone lines in just a few minutes. Uh, again, they'll be open momentarily, but let's give you the number now. In the meantime, 631-205-6605, uh, What did you have in mind for us today? Well, I've been thinking and editing and working on my books. I thought we could maybe talk a little bit about some of the blind spots. So, I mean, leadership really there's two components, right? It's like building the skills associated with doing your best work and leading your best teams and grabbing and doing your, you know, achieving your best outcomes. But there's also another piece, which is just a lot of self-awareness around what gets in our way, what uh, erodes our impact, you know, what are all the things that maybe we can't see that we need others to help us with. So that's uh, the other angle of building leadership capabilities is being humble and open enough to take a look at things that might be in our way. Got it. I'm excited for it. Let's begin. And uh, <laughs> where did you want to start? Again, there's so much that could be holding you back, and she's here to help change that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I, maybe I thought I'd give some examples. So in the book, I, I identify seven categories of blind spots that I see most often with my clients. So after working with clients, hundreds of clients over many years, I start to see patterns, and there's some patterns of types of blind spots. And I think it's helpful to think about the categories because then you can kind of reflect in your own way around whether this might be showing up for you. So just as an example, one of the first categories I talk about in the book is false assumptions. And these are just the the things we do or the ways we behave because we have kind of inaccurate information in our heads. And that's not really our fault. It's just we've... uh, we, we are making an assumption. Our brain, you know, is trying to be efficient, so it's trying to figure out 
what's going on, and it has to make assumptions for speed, and sometimes it makes false assumptions. Um, but when, uh, I'll just give you an example of what that might look like in the workplace. So, you know, one of uh, the, the clients that I profiled in the book is called David the Difference Maker, and he's amazing. He's an incredible leader and uh, kind of grew a, a consulting company and technology to I think I think with his under his leadership they quadrupled in size, and so he's just an incredibly talented person. And yet, when I worked with him, he was really hitting a wall. He was getting really frustrated. His teammates were noticing that he just didn't have the same energy. He was always he was starting to get grumpy. He didn't have time for people the same way that he used to. Mm-hmm. And so something was happening. And when I worked with him, he was told me just sort of privately, like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm not, like, loving my job like I used to love my job. I used to love my job, and now I'm finding myself, like, I just feel like I don't love it anymore, and it doesn't give me the same energy. But when we looked around and we kind of talked about, like, what what are you assuming mm-hmm. about your job? There were so many assumptions that he uncovered. So, for instance, one of the things was he assumed he had to do a lot of things that he didn't have to do anymore. Like, he wasn't very good at sort of developing the next level underneath him to do some of the magic that he did with clients, to do some of the deliverables that he did with clients. So he wasn't really elevating people underneath him. He was thinking that he had to do it all. He had to be the one in front of the client, and he had to be the one that revised that document, and he had had to make everything perfect. And this was just a really deep assumption for him. And so when we started to peel back that assumption and look at all the things that he didn't need to do himself, and then he opened up some space for him to think about where is his new secret sauce now that the firm that he built was so much bigger and he had so many more resources – and so that's a little bit of like what unlocked for him is this whole new redesign of his role. So after about a year of working together, he had really reshaped the way he led, and he was so happy again. He always talks about how he was like ready to quit when we started, and then he was happier than he's ever been uh, at the end of the program, all because he found that blind spot and he sort of questioned ah. it and then designed around it. Awesome. I love that. That's a great story. And there's probably plenty more people out there that can relate and empathize with that, maybe feeling that way, and they could use your help. Mm-hmm. And now that lines are officially open, sorry, 631-205-6605, if you have any questions about anything, uh, what we're talking about today, or of course, anything that she can help you with, 631-205-6605. Go ahead, hun. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, maybe I'll give another example. Um, Another category of blind spots are having different views of success. So this is another thing where we have an idea in our head of what success looks like. And maybe I can tell you the story about this uh, wonderful woman I worked with that that we'll call Felicia the Fixer. Um, Felicia was just this incredible leader that was always being given projects that were in trouble, um, departments that were in trouble. And so she, she sort of, you know, got this reputation for if there's a problem, if we put Felicia in the leadership role, she's going to make it perfect. She's going to make it right. And she's done that over her But with her, what, it, what started to happen is she started asked to take on multiple, multiple things at the same time as we do as we move up into leadership level. And once again, she had this idea that she had to fix everything fix everything herself and that she had to change everything. And that was part of her secret sauce is she'd go in and she'd put her recipe in. Mm-hmm. But this was, at some point, this became um, 
you know, not the success that her leaders wanted from her anymore. When they started to give her multiple responsibilities, multiple areas, they didn't want her to manhandle everything. Okay. They actually wanted her to work with what was there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and optimize what was there and optimize the team. So she had a kind of a different assumption in her mind that I have to fix this. And we had to really shift that to say, what are all the stakeholders that I am now overseeing? How will they judge my success? And what's the new success for me in this role now that I've had this promotion? And that's yep. something that commonly people need to ask themselves when they have a new role or they have a promotion, not to bring the definition of success that they are bringing from other roles or maybe even the, just the things that they you know, have habitually done um, or why they think they got the job, but really reflecting on what does success look like in this new role. Yep. All right. Hold on one second. I think we have a call coming sure. in. Hi. Welcome to the show. You're live on the line. Who's this? Hi, my name is Cassandra. Hello, Cassandra. Hi. Please say hello, and uh, just to let you know, you are live on the radio, just to make sure, and you're here talking with Marissa Murray. Uh, again, she's the CEO of Leaderly International. What question do you have for her? Well, I recently started a new job, and I'm not, like, I really don't get along with one of my co-workers, and it just makes it hard to work, like, sometimes, and I don't know what yeah. to do. And I was wondering if you have any, like, advice for that or, like, what should I do? Yeah, no, I really do. And sometimes my advice is a little hard. So I, <laughs> so I hope you don't find it too hard. I really I really empathize with you. It's difficult when we, when we, you know, we are put in teams where we just feel tension, we feel resistance, we don't feel natural affinity with people. And the reality is, and your instincts are absolutely right, that this, will plague both your performance but also your satisfaction with your role. It's, it's something that can really um, dampen your ability to do well. And so um, what I recommend to my clients is that we just really look at, like, look at your coworker as, as much as you can as just an imperfect being, an imperfect human, um, mm-hmm. You're noticing everyone is what I call brutal. So everyone is a little brutal and mostly beautiful. So everyone is brutal. Okay. I'm brutal. You're brutal. Like everyone is brutal. And the idea like with that. coworkers, <laughs> the idea with coworkers <laughs> is to is to not notice they're brutal. They might just be showing you your they're brutal, but to try not to notice it and to really look to uncover their beautiful. And so just trying to notice that how do you do that when they do something, you try to understand the positive intention behind it. So say somebody's assertive or rude to you, you kind of go, well, what's their positive intention? Oh, they're trying to get something done. Or they're just, like, you depersonalize it. You just, you let, you let sort of negative energy kind of roll off your back, and then you keep looking for the, the beautiful attributes of that individual. And what happens over time is that that person feels that and their behavior actually does start to shift because they can see that you're not reacting to their brutal and showing your brutal because that's the temptation. The temptation is someone shows us you're, our brutal, we want to do our brutal back, right? But we have to like yeah. show them our beautiful and tease out the beautiful of them. <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay, I understand. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And if she wants to reach out or any one of our listeners, would you mind sharing the best forms of contact? And thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. So my my email is marissa, M-A-R-I-S-A dot Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y at Leaderly, and Leaderly spelled L-E-Y. So L-E, Leader, and then L-E-Y dot com. And so if you email me, we can set up time for a free consultation. 
Perfect. All right. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back with more after this quick break. Don't go anywhere. And we're back with breaking news. The new Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. With an improved taste and zero calories, make sure... Jim. Ooh, yes. This tastes like the best Coke ever to me. We're on the air. I need to try it first. Hey, Coach Suzanne here from wildflowercoaching.net. If you're a midlife to late life professional ready to find meaning and purpose in your next transition or in your retirement, I can help. If you're ready to make positive changes in your life, start sleeping better at night, stop having the soul sucked out of you every day at work, contact me for a free coffee chat at Suzanne at wildflowercoaching.net. That's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E at wildflowercoaching.net or visit my website wildflowercoaching.net to download a free gift and get information on my upcoming programs. Here's to living a life of meaning. Talk soon. Are you looking for even more of the podcasts and hosts that you love? The Podcast Business News Network is proud to announce that you now have even more ways to listen live. Check out the MyTuner Radio, Online Radio Box, and Simple Radio apps on iOS and Android, or find us online. Search for Business News Network on MyTuner-Radio.com, or search Podcast Business News Network on Streama.com and OnlineRadioBox.com slash US. Take your podcasts on the go and don't miss a minute of the action. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. And welcome back to the show. We are joined here once again with our friend Marissa. Leaderly.com is the website. And of course, we're talking today about the ways that she can help you. And by the way, if you do have any questions, feel free to reach out um, and get the number here. It's a new number, so I did forget it. <laughs> I have to look it up. I apologize. Um, in the meantime, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So it's 631-205-6605. 631-205-6605. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So we're talking about her one-on-one executive coaching programs, her workshops, and of course, so much more. What else did you have in mind for us today? Well, I can give another example um, that maybe people can relate to. So another category of blind spots is unconscious habits. So these are things that we do that we're just, they're in our habit pattern. But they're annoying other people and they're damaging the relationships around us. So just like the last caller, you know, relationships in terms of your work are incredibly important, both for your effectiveness, for your satisfaction. I mean, this world today is all about teaming and in, in roles. And so when we do have tension in our relationships, we, it does really slow us down and it really does impact us. So it's really worth trying to understand if you have any unconscious habits that are actually damaging the relationships around you. And one of my uh, amazing clients uh, in the book, we call her Gretchen the Giver. Uh, Gretchen is just an incredible leader who just gives and gives and gives to her people. She's always focused on building their career, always focused on sponsoring them, always, you know, never wants to overwhelm them with work, will always take on things herself if the person is not available. And so she kind of gives and gives and gives and gives. But then here's what happens. She gets exhausted and she really depletes herself and then her mood really changes. She gets really down. She just gets sad, you know. And then as a leader, to work for someone who's sad, like it's so hard. Her team feels guilty. Her team wish she wouldn't take on this work. Her team feels demotivated. And so when I worked with her, we kind of discovered this pattern where 
with all the good intention imaginable she was trying to give and give and give, she was giving in ways that sometimes people didn't even ask her to give. And then what would happen is those same people would see her mood decline. It would change their whole environment in terms of working with her. And then that would really deplete them. And so I worked with her for about eight months, and we just really worked a lot on questioning this unconscious habit of being the first instinct to sacrifice herself and give, rather than asking other people if they even need help or noticing if she's starting to get depleted because if she gets depleted, it's like it took the whole, it took her whole team's motivation down. She really, her mood impacted the whole team. So her being protective of that was really important and that enabled her to kind of be a better leader for her team. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I love hearing these client examples and stories. I think they kind of help um, our listeners empathize with the, what you offer. And by the way, I also want to talk about your book, Books. <laughs> yeah. Could you share a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. Well, I, I really like to write. I learned so much working with my clients. I mean, I, I was a leader myself, and I had lots of leadership development training and coaching myself, and I fell in love with leadership development just because of my own struggle with this thing called leadership. Uh, I always talk about how leadership is made up of leading self, leading others, and leading change. And it's a complex journey. It's everybody's journey, I think, to become sort of their next great, greatest version of themselves, next greatest leader. So my, my books are really trying to capture the patterns that I see that people get the most benefit at when they apply. So my first book, Work Smart, which has nine core areas and 50 tips in it, it's really uh, everything I learned over the course of about, I don't know, maybe 15 years around the things that I just noticed people that had more ease and success in their work were doing on the regular. And then when other people weren't doing them and they implemented, they saw quick results. So that's a really great foundational book to unlock sort of your leadership. And then the second book is called Iterate, and this is a framework to try to navigate when you're trying to drive change in an organization or you're in an organization with a lot of change. So how do you set a vision? How do you get alignment? How do you organize yourself? How do you co-create results? How do you accomplish things? And there's lots of tools in that book to just, you know, ready-made things you can use with your team to uh, mobilize them. And then my third book, which is not yet complete but will be out this fall, is called Blind Spots. And that's, again, how do you look at maybe uncovering some problems to unlock your next level of opportunity. And what's really fun about blind spots is they really are, like, if you can discover a blind spot, they will correlate to a breakthrough for you. The blind spots are holding us back. We don't know they are. And as soon as we see them, you can really get some turnaround results for yourself. So your blind spots are your breakthroughs. That's why it's really good to take a look at them and, and, and work with someone to work through them. Amazing. Well, clearly you're so passionate about what you do. And my gosh, three books. Uh, <laughs> she does a lot. Uh, what else did you yeah. want to share with our listeners that you think it's important for us to um, to bring up today? Wow. Yeah, well, I just, I think that sometimes, you know, feedback is, is one of these things that is difficult for people, you know, trying to get, trying to get the data points. And I call them data points for a reason. They really are data points. You know, they're not criticisms, they're not um, they're not the whole truth, they're a partial truth, they're data points to how other people see your performance. Feedback is really a gift and it's necessary for our success, but it only works if we're able to kind of look at it as data. Like, mm-hmm. wow, I have this impact on this other person, I have this impact on this other person. And rather than get like, you know, kind of like, oh, well, therefore this person I like and this person I don't, <laughs> 
just seeing like, wow, these are this is interesting. It's kind of like there's all these different data points, and I'm trying to solve for you know more than just more than just one relationship, more than just the relationship with my boss. I'm also trying to solve relationships with my peers, solve relationships with my team members. So just not to be afraid of, of feedback, to really lean into every ability you have to understand your impact on others because there's a lot of insight that comes out of just really listening to how we're affecting each other and then little tweaks in your um, in your actions can make a huge difference in whether you're having a positive impact or a negative impact in your environment. Mm, my goodness. And by the way, if you do have any questions, please reach out 631-205-6605. That's 205-6055. And again, the area code is 631. Marissa Murray on the line here. Leaderly.com is the website. And uh, I know you were an engineer by training. We talked about that last time, right? So you've always been good at uh, discovering and solving problems. And, yeah. and how did your work uh, progress into the coaching world? Yeah, well, I think that um, what my career progressed over about a 20-year corporate career where I kept uh, sort of getting more promotions into advanced leadership positions. And what you realize when you get more and more advanced leadership positions is it's, it's no longer the problem of the product. It's usually the people that are generating the product or the people that are um, behind whatever service or product you're offering the marketplace. And so... I think everybody, as they get more senior, they realize that they have to spend a lot more time solving for people rather than solving for people problems rather than solving for technical problems. And that was definitely the trajectory of my career. Having said that, I didn't, I really still have a very analytical mind. And so I really wanted like concrete tools that would be, you know, understandable. It's like I go from a world of having a formula that gives me an output. I wanted a formula for uh, for leadership, and that's what I've been striving to do over the last decade or almost decade. In, in when I since I've been focused on leadership, my first book I, I called it the subtitle is like your formula for unprecedented success. You know, because I really want a for, I want it to be easy for people to adopt good leadership practices. So I try very hard to kind of describe things and and use my analytical mind to find ways that are easy for people to understand and that can they can try very quickly and that they can get results instantly with. Oh, I love it. And do you have any other stories you want to share? Any other client experiences? Sure. Well, I guess one other thing that I would say is, you know, one of the things that people probably underestimate a little bit is, is the importance of their influence on others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not living in a world anymore where even if you have a big job where you can you know, command everybody, you know, we're living in a world where you have to attract people, people's followership. So we can work very hard to become a good leader, but a leader is nothing without followers. And so you have to both, you know, it's sort of set a vision and decide, you know, point to a a noble goal and then attract a whole bunch of followers that want to help you achieve that. And in order to do that, you need to develop your influencing skills. And it's really interesting to kind of think about any situation you're in where you're not having influence like I laugh a little bit because right now I have a 19 year old son he just turned 19 yesterday and so my influence influence is changing (laughs) for for, you know it's I mean of course your influence over the entire time that you're raising kids changes right when they're first 
When they're little, they just want to please you. It's so delightful. <laughs> you have a lot of influence. But over the years, they develop their own ideas, and you still want to help them, and you still want to collaborate with them, and you still want to create beautiful things with them. But you also have to influence them in a way where they choose, where they choose and they get to co-create with you and they, and they choose to be with you as opposed because you have no more positional power over them as they become adults. And there's a little bit of that reflection that's helpful in the workplace as well to just think about who am I trying to kind of force to do things in a certain way versus really attracting their collaboration and how can I work on my influencing skills? Um, because the more you're able to influence every type of person, uh, whether they work for you or whether they are a peer or whether they're a customer or supplier, um, that's another piece that I think is worth really reflecting on. Good. Well, are you all, I mean, I didn't realize that your son, you said is not turning 19. <laughs> what about, yes. what about parenting coaching? Do you do that? It's so interesting because, you know, there is no better parallel. So many of my examples end up being parenting examples because I think being a leader in your home is actually one of the hardest things, being a leader with your children and with your spouse, you know, or with your co-parent or, you know, and also just your extended network. So I don't, uh, I don't focus in that area, but there is, it's rare that with a client engagement, we won't talk about examples at home as well uh, because it's a great place to sort of practice different ways of leading and also, it's, it's kind of the hardest place to do it perfectly because we're so emotionally attached. You know, we're so, we're, you know, we're so vested in these relationships that sometimes it's hard to detach ourselves from personal stuff. So it's, but it's a great place to practice. And, and I really believe that all the work we do to become better leaders in the workplace make us better parents. I don't know if I lost you. Can you hear me? I'm so sorry. I hit the wrong button. Oh my God. I just said, I'm I'm like talking a conversation by myself. I said, mine are six and eight. I said, so I have a little bit to go, but I'm learning about this parenting journey. It's not so easy. It'd be so, you know, the wiser we get as we get older, you have more information. You have more, um, obviously, uh, experience under your belt to say with anything in life, like as a coach, for example. But uh, I'm I'm, I'm learning. I'm I'm on the newbie list. I have quite a few more years until the teenagers. (laughs) No, but it's great. I mean, six and eight are beautiful ages and they're ages where they begin to express themselves much more in terms of what their desires are and what their interests are and for me that was a really big turning point because I started to realize that it you know when I I was a bit dysfunctional when my first son was born I wanted I was like I'm gonna make you perfect you know (laughs) but he was and he was like by the time he was eight he was like isn't that my choice what I do? Like, why are you making me do all these things? Exactly. (laughs) There is a a real shift of realizing that you're an enabler. You're an enabler of other people's best best lives, you know, and you're an enabler of your kids. So you can be an enabler, but you are not in control of the ship. You know, you are, they are their own people. And, uh, and it's like that in the workforce as well. You cannot force other people to do things well. You can force them to do it badly. But then, you know, that's not going to help you very much. Uh, people need to want to do things for their own reasons. So with your kids, you want to just understand what their interests are and just be an enabler and encourage them towards those interests and have to park your, your self-interest a lot. And it's a hard thing to do when you, you think you know better or you think you know them or you think you know the world. You know, it's hard. Well, well thank you for being here, for joining us and enlightening us. Would you mind sharing the best form in all forms of contact? Yeah, absolutely. So you can check out my website at Leaderly.com, L-E-A-D-E-R-L-E-Y.com, and also just email me at Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-A, 
Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, at leaderly.com. And you can also call me at 514-236-9332. Thank you for your time, Joe. It's been lovely being with you. Thank you. Same here. I appreciate it. Thank you to our caller as well. Hope you have a fantastic day. And to all of our listeners, stay tuned. More of the show is on the way. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. It's now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.